Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. Amen. I hope you're happy to be in the house of our God. Trust me, it is a blessing to be able to be in his house, to be in his presence, to be with the, the faithful of the faith. Um, as we are um, taking this time in this country to remember those who have fallen before us, uh, or for our freedom, as they say, but we are um, in the house of the Lord, and we like to remember the one who gave his life for us, for our eternal freedom. Amen. Amen. Um, just to... Um, all right. Um, there was a young man who um, gave his life to Christ. And when he gave his life to Christ, he decided to, you know, he went full out and served Christ. And he was... Because of his faith, he was persecuted, right? He was um, flogged three, five times. Flogged is when they take a whip with the, the metal at the end and they flog you, they, they whip you. So it's a little, you know, like when, um, um, I don't know for you, but those of you who was raised in, in um, I'm not going to name certain Caribbean country, right, where they take anything to correct you when you do something wrong as a kid. That's, um, they used to take whips and with medals to correct people. And he had that five times. He got beaten with a stick three times. He got stoned and left to die. So that means they stoned him and they thought he was dead. Um, they see him on the, they think he's dead. Um, he was shipwrecked and spent a night in the open sea. How would you like to be? on the open sea, floating on the piece of wood um, for one day and one night, not knowing what to do. Um, he was always on the move. He was always in danger. And uh, several times he was incarcerated for his faith. And the, the name of this man, as you could guess, is the Apostle Paul. And at the time when the Apostle Paul is writing the letter to the Ephesians, he's in jail. Our passage for today is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. But we're just going to start a little earlier in verse 13 because it helps us understand. And it goes like this. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for which is your glory. And now verse 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, Lord, your word is already blessed. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. Amen. And so, as we 
go over this passage of Ephesians. Um, Paul has a prayer for his for his his beloved Ephesians, and his prayer uh, comes from the fact that he's in jail. And if you would read in the book of Acts, if you read in this book, you see that there's a strong, intimate relationship between the, the believers of Ephesus and, and, and the apostle Paul. He founded the church and he built the church and he lived several years with them. So they have a strong bond. And now he finds himself in jail and they are aware of all his struggle. And what do you do when you're aware of somebody that you know, when you're aware of their struggle? You hurt for them, right? Your heart, if you have somebody that you know that you love and you hear, God forbid, they're in a car accident, automatically your heart is going to hurt. And then so Paul says in verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Like I'm suffering, but I'm okay suffering. I don't want you to lose heart because when you're faced with challenge, what, 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 what tends to happen? You tend to be discouraged. And so the first aspect of the prayer that Paul has for them is he's praying for them to have power. Somebody say power. Power. And then so he's praying for them to have power. It goes verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I feel that a problem that we have in our generation is we don't think about other people enough. We think about ourselves a lot, right? And, and, and in this situation, it would be easy for Paul to think about himself, right? He's in jail. He's suffering. You know, he's getting up in age. He could think about himself. But in that moment, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about them. And he's praying for them to have power in the inner being. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you want to do something, you know you should do something, but your body is doing something else? Has that ever happened to anybody? Your, your heart desire is to go one way, but you find your feet are going the other way. Or your heart desire is to stay put and not do anything, but you're, the, 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 but your body starts moving and do what you're not supposed to do. Does that ever happen? And Paul tells them, I pray that you be strengthened in, through his spirit in the inner being. When that happens to you is because there is a battle going on inside of you. It is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. It is a battle between you knowing what you should do but in the desire to do something else. And we're all in that battle. There's a saying that says, you know, when, when I received Christ, you know, I was born again. I became a new man. But what I didn't, and I thought I threw the old man overboard. But what I didn't realize is that the old man knew how to swim. And he keeps swimming. And, and, and sometimes you find yourself, you spend a day and you're doing super good. But then the next day, right the next minute, you could do super wrong. Um, and please indulge me. It's like you're at the free throw line and you make your three free throws and you think you won. And you think you won and you're good and you think you won. Amen. Too soon. Uh, no, no, this is me suffering with you. Amen. Because I'm suffering with you. Amen. 
Any Celtics fan in this house? Get out. But then just when you think you won, somebody comes out of nowhere and puts you right back where you were before. Now, I'm not calling anybody the devil, right? It's just players. But similarly in our lives, you could find yourself, you're doing super good. But the next minute, you're doing super wrong. Look at what happened to um, to the apostle Peter. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, he says to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and, and it's a great confession. And Jesus says, wow, this is not you. This is my Father that showed you how to say this. And whoa. Fast forward a little later in the chapter, Peter says to Jesus, no, 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 you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to die. And Jesus says to um, Peter, get behind me, Satan. So the same Peter, on top of the chapter, he's on top of his game, he's inspired by God, and at the bottom of the chapter, he's being used by the devil. That ever happened to you? And that happens because there's a weakness in the inner man. There's a weakness, and the weakness can come from um, distraction, it can come from stress, it can come from just challenges of life that are very hard. And it's like um, you find yourself... Like of Psalm 42, if you read with me, Psalm 42, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I, when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls the deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Anybody, you ever felt that way? You ever felt like a part of you is like, I want to praise God, but the other part is, I'm so troubled. People are coming on my case. Money's not right, and I get I get trouble all around me. And you feel like part of you wants to praise God, but that part of you is, is worried sick. Part of you wants to put faith in God, but part of you is, is discouraged about life, and you don't know what to do. And here's um the situation, and, and, and we can imagine this is uh, one of the psalms. David is one of the uh, biggest psalmists, and David had these moments in his life when he went through challenges and challenges. There was a time. Imagine this, right? David, before he became king, he was um, pretty much a vigilante. So he was roaming around Israel, and he had 600 men with him, and they were kind of doing their own justice, defending the people and all of that. And so while they're out defending uh, a group of people, when they come back home, 
they find the village is destroyed. The village is destroyed. Their wives are kidnapped. Their children are gone. And, and, and the village is empty. And all those strong men, what do they start doing? They start weeping. Can you imagine you go to work one day, you come home, your house is all destroyed. You're, 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 and not only your house is destroyed, your wife is not home, your children are not home, and you know they're kidnapped, and you know the enemy. So now David finds himself on his knees weeping before God. Anybody here, you find yourself, yes, you're smiling during the day, but you're crying at night. You're crying before, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, you're good, you're good. But at night, the pillow's wet. That's David. David at that moment, his pillow's wet. He doesn't know what to do. And his men, the 600 men that are with him, now they're talking about stoning him. Now these guys, they left everything to follow David, so they're, they're the ride or die. They're the true blue. They're like, yeah, we're going to ride with you. And they're riding with David against the king. So they're not afraid of anyone. They're not afraid of anything. But now when it hits home, when their family is also taken, their family is also hurt, now they're the men that are faithful to David are thinking about stoning David. You ever had a situation when you ride or die, they turn on you? When the people that you thought had your back, you found out that they had your back from way back. But they weren't there for you when you needed them. You know, there's some situation, and it's not necessarily their fault. There's some situation where um, you would want people to help you, you would think that people could help you, but God creates a circumstance so that you cannot depend on anybody else but Him. God created a situation where you would come to them, and, 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 and normally they would have said yes, but they say no. And sometimes they say no because God told them to say no. Not that God gave like a voice or whatever, but God shut their heart so they can't say yes, so that you can rely only on him. And, and in that story, what David did, David got down on his knees and he inquired of the Lord. And he said, God, what's happening? And he started praying to God. And then he went to the, the, the priest and he said, priest, come pray with me. And then he, he inquired of the Lord and said, okay, God, should I go after them? And God told him, yeah, you go after them and I'm going to give you victory. And David got up, he got his men, and they went after and they, they got their family back. And for some of us, that's a situation we need to go through. We need to go through a situation where we lose everything, but we don't lose God. And we go and we get on our knees and we go to God and say, God, I need your help. And God will allow you to go through something so that, and that you cannot rely on anybody else so that when he gives you the victory, you give him the glory. Because God wants his glory. God wants his glory. But we have that battle in the inner man. And now I want you to pay attention. One of the biggest secret, if you want, quote unquote, for your spiritual life. One of the biggest things that you could do for your spiritual life is to understand that you have a fight on the inside and pray God for strength in that battle. Is to pray God for strength in the inner man. If you're, you wake up in the morning, right, and you're in your bed, and your bed is sweet, and it's warm, and you don't want to wake up, but you know you have to wake up, because you know God has called you for a purpose, and you have to be about, get, 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 get working. Pray God, say, God, give me strength in my inner man. Give me strength. And, 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 and when it comes to that power, there's two aspects of it, right? One is what you feel, and that's verse 16, he says, it says in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being. But then there's another aspect. If you jump with me to verse 17b, it says, and I pray, verse 17b and to 18, it says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. So part of having power is the Holy Spirit that works in your heart, right? That works in your heart to motivate you to do what you're supposed to do. But the other part of having power, if you follow with me in verse 17, verse 17 and 18, it says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with God's people to grasp. Grasp meaning to comprehend, to understand how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Some of us are discouraged in our walk with Christ because we don't understand, we don't have the intellectual understanding of the sacrifice of Christ and what it means for your spiritual life. What the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross means. When the Son of God, the, 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 the Rose of Sharon, the Prince of Heaven came and died on the cross, what that meant, that eternal being, when he died on the cross, that meant that you would be always be able to come to the Father. If you ever feel in your life that at a point you cannot come to God because you messed up too much, is you're disrespecting the sacrifice of Christ at the cross. Because there is no sin, nothing that is bigger, wider, longer, deeper than the sacrifice of Christ at the cross. There is nothing that can prevent you from getting to your Father because of Jesus Christ. If you, have you ever felt that way? Like, are you messed up and you say, okay, I'm not going to pray because God doesn't want me to pray? But that's a lie. Because of Jesus Christ at the cross. When you say that, is you're saying the blood of Jesus is not sufficient to pay for my sins. But I'm here to tell you, the blood of Jesus is sufficient. Because Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So there's nothing in, on, in heaven, in the earth, and under the earth that is bigger, wider, deeper than the love of Jesus Christ. And that's why Romans 8 says that I don't care if it's death, I don't care if it's life, I don't care if it's the height, the depth, the, 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 the nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And then so having that understanding, and, and Paul prays, for them to be able to comprehend that. For them to be able to understand the depths of the love of Christ. And you ever ask yourself, how was a guy like Paul able to go through everything that he went through? Why are the brothers and sisters in other countries that are heavily persecuted, how are they able to go through what they go through? It's because they understand the love of God. They have a wider vision of the love of God. They have a wider vision of, of, of the purpose of God. So when Paul prays, he prays for them to have power. But power is not power for, for, for its sake, right? So yes, it's power for you to be motivated to, to, to do what's right. It's power for you to understand what, what the Word says and, and, and the blessings and the riches of the grace and, and the forbearance and the kindness and the patience of God towards us. But if God has called you, if you're breathing, it's because God has called you for a purpose. 
And so the prayer for power is the power to accomplish your purpose. And what the devil wants to do, he wants to, number one, to discourage you, for you to be discouraged. So now if you feel like, oh, I'm so bad, oh, I'm so this, I'm so that, and you put yourself down, you're not going to live up to the full potential that God has called you to be. Because you don't think that you're worthy to serve God in that matter. But guess what? Nobody's worthy. You think I'm worthy to be before you today? Newsflash, I'm not. But everything that we do is because of the riches of the grace of God. It's because of the riches of his grace. And now if you are breathing, it's because he called you with a purpose. He called you and he gives you power for that purpose. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, And I pray that you... No, sorry, that's the wrong... Okay. Well, I know the verse by heart. So it says, And you shall receive power, and the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the, the ends of the earth. And that was at the time the disciples were talking to Jesus, and they were asking him questions. Oh, when is the end time going to come? Or when is this going to come? And Jesus tells them, it's not your problem. You don't need to worry about when this is going to happen. What you need to do is you need to go to Jerusalem and be in prayer. And while you're in Jerusalem in prayer, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and then you will fulfill your purpose for me, which is to be my witnesses. And then with that, you will spread the word first in your home, Jerusalem, then in your neighborhood, Judea, then in your, your country, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. To all the nations. And now, all over the world, people believe in Jesus Christ because of what these guys did. But they did this not out of their own flesh. They did it because they had the power of the Holy Spirit. They did it because at that point, and you see the difference. If you study the life of the apostles before and after the coming of the Holy Spirit, there was a difference. So Paul is praying for them to have power Paul is praying for them to have purpose, to understand. But then, the sweetest part is not the power. The most important part is not the purpose. The sweetest part, the most important part is the presence. He says, if we go back to verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is the hardest thing to do is to try to explain to someone that hasn't experienced the presence of God, how the presence of God is. Do I have anybody here, You at some point in your life, you experienced the presence of God? Let me see your hand. If you experience like the depth of the presence of God, all right, so, so you don't have to say it out loud, but my question to you is how would you explain that? How would you explain that? And if you haven't ever felt the presence of God, I'm going to tell you, it's very hard for me to explain it to you. It's not something that you have to explain. It's something that you have to experience. It's something that you have to live for yourself. So my assignment to you, if you have never had the experience of, of, 
feeling the presence of God, it would be to find a place where you isolate yourself. You, you go in your own quarantine and you pray God. And you say, Dave, I pray God till when? And you pray God until. You pray God, there's no time. There's no time. It's just you and God and you pray and you read the Bible and you pray and you read the Bible and you pray. If you have to go to another country, grab your passport, fly somewhere and spend that time with God. You want to know why Jesus was so strong? It's because Jesus spent time praying. You find there's a passage in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus goes to a village and he heals the sick and he's starting a, revol- uh, a revolution where people are, are, are being healed. The demons are being cast out and, and everybody's excited. They want to see Jesus. And comes the next day, Jesus wakes up before dawn, before the sun rises, Jesus rises and he goes to pray. And he spends time to his father, with, with, with his father. And now everybody's looking for Jesus. Everybody's, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And they come to Jesus, they finally find Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, where were you? Everybody in the village is looking for you. You know what Jesus answers? Is that for real? All right, let's go to the other village. He leaves. Now, anybody in their right mind, if you're doing ministry and you have a spot where everybody wants to come, everybody wants to be there, guess what? You're calling the bank to try to get a loan to build a building and you're going to do your church there. But Jesus, because he he, he spent time with his father, knew what his mission was. And his mission was not to be popular. His mission was to carry the word of God and ultimately die on the cross and rise again the, 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 the last day. Now, even Jesus had that struggle. Even Jesus at some point had that struggle. If you jump with me in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, 39, 41, he says, And that's when he's with his disciples. He takes three of them aside the night that he's about to be crucified. So he knows, and Jesus has announced that he was going to get crucified. So he knows what's about to go down. He knows, he knows, that, and that's why he came. He, yes, he did the, the, you know, he healed the sick. He, he multiplied the bread, turned the water into wine, did all of that stuff. But ultimately, when Jesus was born, he was born to die. And he knows it's going to happen. And he brings his, his, his most trusted disciple, the, the, his right or die, to pray with him. And he says, and then so he prays and he says, um, Bible says, going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And the cup meaning the crucifixion, the, the, the separation that he was going to undergo with his father. And then verse 40 says, And he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we could judge the apostles, except the only problem is that's us too. Amen? You ever had a moment where you say, I'm going to pray, 
and then you fall asleep? Amen. How many people that was last night? Amen. And so, Jesus in his hour of need, in, in the one time where, where he's not the one giving everybody what they need, the one time where he's the one in need, right? Because he's the one that's going to go through the crucifixion. And what, what does he do? He prays to his father and he says, you know what? I have that struggle. I'm anxious and I don't want to go through this, right? I do not want for them people to spit in my face. I do not want for those people to whip me. I do not want to go through all of that. And most of all, I don't want to be separated from you, my father. But then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, if at that moment he would have done as he willed, guess what? We're all done. If Jesus would have done as he willed, we're all done. Because he had power. He could have destroyed the earth. It's over. He could have said, you know what? Michael, Gabriel, come on. Take me out of here. And it's over. And then David's not saved. Kisna's not saved. Kinsey's not saved. Nobody's saved. But he said, not my will. Your will be done. But then he finds his disciples. They're sleeping. At the most crucial time, they're sleeping. But then he gives them the key. He says them, he says to them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, they're going through that battle for the inner man. They, they, they want to pray with Jesus. They're not, not wanting to pray, but it's late at night and their flesh now takes power. There's a story they say, um, that we use a lot. It's a, there was a guy. Now it's illegal, so I'm not telling you to do that. There was a guy, he was running uh, dog fights. Dog fights, right? Where you take two dogs and they, you have them fight. But he would bet on which dog is going to win. But he would always win the bet. He would always win the bet. And then eventually somebody asked him, how is it that you always win the bet? How is it that you always know which dog is going to win the fight? It says it's simple. I know which one I fed in the morning. So the one he feeds, he's the one that's stronger, so that's the one that's going to win. And it's the same for us spiritually speaking. You have two dogs fighting inside of you. One is the flesh, the other one is the spirit. Which one are you feeding? Which one are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh? You know sometimes you fall at night because of what happened in the morning? Or what did not happen in the morning. You didn't feed the spirit in the morning. So when temptation came at night. Mm. You want to have victory. You need to feed the right dog. You need to feed the one that brings you to eternal life. So the application is simple. The application is. For this week. If you're facing temptation. Pray God in Christ for strength for the inner man. If you're facing tough people, you ever face tough people and, and everybody, you find with everybody, but there's that one person, they get to you. They get to you. They know which button to press. For them, I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, pray for yourself because you cannot control them. You can only control yourself. So you cannot blame them for what you do. Yeah, but you made me. No, no, no. They didn't make you do nothing. You did it. Now, they know how to press the buttons, 
but they're your buttons. You know, if you remove the button, you can't press it no more. So you pray God for yourself to have that strength to, to be able to resist. But then how about you try to pray for them? Not about them, for them. Right? You see, Paul, when he was in prison, he could have focused on himself. But he said, you know what? I'm not focused on myself. I'm praying for you. So pray for them. Because God has a plan that the, for the brother that doesn't like you. You know that, right? You, you might not like them, but God still has a plan for them. You might not appreciate them, but God still has a purpose for them. So pray for them. And when you're going through a tough situation, and in and, and this life, and as we learn firsthand in the past few years, life is tough. It gets tough. But still in those times of toughness, pray God. And what you have in that moment is the presence of God. And I cannot explain that to you, but there's something that when you're going in the storm, and, and then the boat is, is something that's peaceful about knowing that Jesus is in the, in the boat. That Jesus is in the storm with you. Because at any moment, Jesus can get up and say, be quiet to the storm. So what I'm worried, I'm not worried about the wind. I'm worried about the master is in the boat. If Jesus is in the boat with you, you, he will carry you through that storm. He will get you through that storm. You don't have to worry about the storm because the master of the storm is with you in the boat. There's something comforting to knowing. It's kind of like if I use um, basketball again. Um, back in those days after Golden State won, what they do? They got Kevin Durant. And when he was on that team, they couldn't lose. Well, Jesus is more than Durant, because Jesus never loses. And Jesus is on your boat. God bless you.